The divine, said John Scotus Eriugina, is like a river flowing through everything that has being. On today's episode, we meet a tenacious, wandering medieval Irish teacher who insisted on the sacredness of every person. The more we forget this identity, our true identity, the less we treat ourselves and one another as sacred. Eriugina reawakens us to our true nature and the true nature of the earth, alive with the flowing of the divine. J. Philip Newell, in his work, Sacred Earth, Sacred Soul, writes, Our capacity to know this flow in all things, pure gift of God, is deep within us. We only need to access it together for the great challenges of this moment in time. To challenge the religious, political, and social systems that recklessly ignore or deny this sacredness and that are imperiling the very future of the world. Eriugina's wisdom, rooted both in the human soul and soil of earth, is sorely needed in our time. We welcome his voice today in this conversation. You're listening to Holy Heresy, a podcast that looks for the questions found at the intersection of spirituality, justice, and the arts. Holy Heresy is brought to you by the First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. In July, a friend and I went to Mount Rainier in Washington State, one of those rare places that exceeds every expectation, like Paris or the Grand Canyon. The volcano's prominence surprised us each time it revealed itself as we turned a bend in the trail or park road. Six indigenous nations revere the mountain, which they named Tacoma or Tahoma, meaning the source of nourishment from the many streams coming from the slope. Indeed, Tacoma's 25 glaciers and considerable yearly snowfall provide essential water sources for six ice-cold rivers. My friend and I found the name apt as we climbed towards the mountain. Water was omnipresent. Streams flowed down both sides of the rugged trail, flowed across it in both directions and directly down it. Our trail runners were soaked in the first quarter mile. Waterfalls fell in well-worn places and carved new paths in and around, on top and beneath plants, trees, and rocks, wherever gravity compelled it. Not a single inch of space untouched, it seemed. The fortunate soil responded by bursting forth with wildflowers so numerous they appeared as abundant as the water itself. Large snowfields still covered the trail. Even there, we heard water plunging beneath them. 
We consented to the descending flow ourselves as we glissaded down these snow fields, our spirits ascending to the joy of being fully alive, not a piece of us untouched by this grace. John Scotus Eriugena, the ninth century wandering Irish teacher, said there is a divine flow deep within everything that has being. Like a river coursing through the veins of the earth, through the universe, the sacred flow is not simply a facet of life that may or may not be there, depending on the place or moment or species. Eugenia's vision was as much a cosmology of the sacred as it was a theology. God is the flow of life deep in all things and people. No thing and no one untouched by this reality. It is not unlike what Jesus revealed about the reign of God. Following his baptism in the waters of the Jordan River, Jesus claims the realm of God is at hand. At hand in Greek is engizo, which means on the verge of breaking upon you, perhaps like a wave. It is a vision of time and eternity together in an endless sea, heaven and earth woven together, the sacred flowing deep within the matter of the earth. It is not only true of the person of Jesus, but something he exposes as true of all life. This reality is illustrated in delightfully flowing form by the gospel writer Mark. Jesus goes about healing people, first in the synagogue, then in the home of one of his disciples' mothers, then in the surrounding towns and villages, and finally outside in the wilderness, where our reading leads us today. The ever-expanding hope of these circles, echoing Toni Morrison, there is no place outside of the divine. God's liberating love permeates all spaces and peoples. It is like the sound of the organ at the end of Christoph's prelude this morning, filling every millimeter of this great room. In the farthest reaches outside of town, Jesus intentionally seeks the disinherited. So moved, he reaches out to touch and heal a person with leprosy. The seemingly simple exchange is far richer than it appears. The man not only experiences the divine love and restoration that Jesus embodies, but also learns that the disease that has rendered him untouchable does not define him or express what is most essential about him. We never learn the man's name, but I imagine Jesus does, perhaps sounding it aloud for the first time in many months or years. He also reveals the names flowing beneath all our names, loved, good, worthy of dignity and life, We are invited to call others by their true names, John Philip Newell writes, to view them in their deepest identity, to see and think of them not for their failings or whatever disqualifies them from belonging, but first and foremost in their original nature, made of God. When we exclude, we become numb to the sacred in others and ourselves. We become false and destructive in our actions. Eugenia, who read this healing story of Jesus allegorically, said that it was sin or our choice for evil that deforms 
not defines our true nature. It is like a leprosy of the soul, he said. Our face becomes distorted. We become untrue to ourselves, one another, and the earth. We need what he called the medicine of grace, not to save us from our fundamentally flawed selves, but to heal us and return us to our true selves, which are inherently good. The man with leprosy is given a new face, claimed Eriogena, or is not given a new face. Rather, he is restored to his true face. The question of literal physical healing is one for another time or perhaps another lifetime. But the question of what healing this story might offer us today is far clearer. Reverend Laura posted a poem last week by the young poet Shailand Harkin, who wrote, the worst thing we ever did was put God in the sky out of reach, pulling the divinity from the leaf, sifting out the holy from our bones, insisting God isn't bursting dazzlement through everything we've made a hard commitment to see as ordinary, stripping the sacred from everywhere to put in a cloud man elsewhere, prying closeness from our hearts. The worst thing we ever did is pretend God isn't the easiest thing in the universe available to every soul in every breath. The distance between us and our true selves and between us and others is mended when we begin to see this way. We can exclaim with the great mystic Saint Catherine, my deepest me is God and your deepest you is God. What this restores us to is original blessing. That's the core of our being, not original sin. This foundational goodness means we begin from a place of yes and therefore a place of hope. Richard Rohr writes, to live the gospel, which is to say to follow Jesus, we must get the who right. What is the self we are working with? Who are we all? Where do we abide right now in every moment? Where did we come from? Is our DNA divine or is it depraved? How thin the walls between earth and heaven, Elder Stephen Charleston wrote this week. How close the space between us, a blink, a look away. In an instant, the gap is closed. The two realities flowing together like passing rivers in the moonlight. Eugenia believed these rivers flowed in every atom of life. The energies that stir in our depths are also the forces that move the planets. The microcosm and the macrocosm, expressions of the same reality. Truth is both intimate and immense, personal and vast. When we start experiencing life this way, returning and touching this sacred flow, it soon becomes impossible not to notice. It is like water flowing everywhere that we have no hope of keeping our shoes dry. Entering its depths, we remember what our souls already know, and heaven and earth show themselves hand in hand again. In my Pennsylvania congregation, I used to visit a dear older woman who'd lived with Alzheimer's for the better part of a decade. I would enter her room at the care facility, sit down, 
and naively insist on conversation, though this wasn't possible. I began to say words that her family told me would be familiar to her, like the Lord's Prayer. One time, to my amazement, she repeated it with me, but never again after that day. She quickly grew agitated with my presence and my insistence on talking. During one visit after speaking to her and trying to pray prayer after prayer to evoke some response, I finally gave up. I sat there next to her bed, silent. While she was still agitated and breathing heavily, I reached my hand out and took hold of hers, not knowing what moved me to do so. She quickly took hold of my hand, surprising me with her strength as she lay her arm down on the bed along with mine, our hands enfolded together. She let out a deep breath and rested into her bed. I sat there for a long time until she was finally asleep. I entered the sacred flow that evening, which required nothing more of me than to hold someone's hand so she would not feel alone. Danusha Lamaris wrote, I've been thinking about the way when you walk down a crowded aisle, people pull in their legs to let you by. Or how strangers still say bless you when someone sneezes, a leftover from the bubonic plague. Don't die, we are saying. And sometimes when you spill lemons from your grocery bag, someone else will help you pick them up. Mostly, we don't want to harm each other. We want to be handed our cup of coffee hot and to say thank you to the person handing it, to smile at them and for them to smile back, for the waitress to call us honey when she sets down the bowl of clam chowder and for the driver in the red pickup truck to let us pass. We have so little of each other now, so far from tribe and fire, only these brief moments of exchange. What if they are the true dwelling of the holy, these fleeting temples we make together when we say, here, have my seat. Go ahead, you first. I like your hat. When we believe the sacredness of our being, and the sacredness of everyone and everything, we won't be able to abide spaces devoid of healing and wholeness, devoid of justice and peace. We will enter the flow, risk the ocean's depths, feel the holy waves on the verge of breaking upon us. There, harness their power, the same sacred power that flows within us to confront the imperiling of our blessed earth, to stand with and for anyone whose true nature is denied or whose humanity is diminished and remind them and any who would oppress them of their true names. Eugenius said that if the sacred flow of God's presence and goodness and love were somehow dammed up or stopped, everything would cease to exist. If he is right, what does it mean that we are all still here? 
such dazzling possibility for life. Amen. enjoyed the Holy Heresy podcast and would like to support these continuing conversations, visit fccla.org give and follow the prompts. Donations are tax deductible and all gifts support the social outreach, faith-based exploration, and commitment to the arts that is First Church. Holy Heresy comes from the conversations that begin in our live services on Sunday mornings. Each week we explore the growing edges of theological thought, the exploration of the links between science and religion, the challenges of spiritual practice in 21st century Los Angeles, and most of all, the joys of sharing community in the creative capital of the world. This podcast is produced and directed by David Harris and Laura Velfragan, David Garcia Saldana, Production Manager, Laurel Irene Audio Mixing. Originally recorded by Mark Doten, Casper Abbo, Danny Hess, Cameron Johnston, and David Mitchell. Musical credits for this episode include Toccata in D Minor by J.S. Bach, played by Christoph Bull on the Great Organs, Nathaniel Dett's Deep River, sung by Laude, directed by David Harris, with solo by Laurel Irene, Swing Five by Johannes Michel, and Agnus Day from Patrick Cassidy's The Mass album, recorded by Laude, David Harris, and Christoph Bull, and available wherever you listen. Thank you for your presence here today, where all are welcome.